from the public point of view. And the public, we, we chose the criteria whether you've made contact with a particular institution or not. Mm. So if out of our sample, you have, let's say, only five people making contact with the narcotics board, Ghana Studies Card Service, Trudge. How many of us come into contact with these institutions? Right. So statistically, you cannot make any inference based it's negligible. on that. It's negligible. Statistically, you cannot do that. So if you, if you want to specifically do something with audit, approach it and make it purposive for audit and gather all those who get into contact with, with audit. And that would be a different sampling approach. But if you want to have the prevalence of bribe payment for the entire country, your point of entry should be the population, not the institution. And but this work has nothing to do with targeting one institution or the other. To contextualize the questionnaire that we got from the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime, we set up a steering committee and a technical committee right from the questionnaire development stage through the analysis up to the release of the report. And the Ghana Police Service served on the steering committee. So they've been with the process throughout. The issue of aggregating some institutions and disaggregating some institutions goes back to what I said earlier on. So for instance, if you take GRA, where we sort of disaggregated, keep in mind that we want to put, up, put out a figure that is statistically significant. So if you get into the police, we can further do disaggregation across the different departments based on the type of service that warranted the payment of bribe. Mm. Simply because we have a huge number of persons in Ghana that are interacting with the police. If you take lecturers, teachers, based on the data that we have, once you disaggregate it, you cannot make any statistical inference out of it. And that is why we sort of put, we sort of put them together. We are not saying teachers are the same as lecturers, but the object of this work is to get what? Identify areas that have commonalities for policy intervention. President, on a scale of one to 10, I would be even, given the president it. Did you say eight? I'll give the president out eight of the ten. Look, okay. the reason why I'm giving the president eight is look, if you ask me how has this country fared in the fight against corruption, I'll say that this country has done maybe good or fairly good six, five. I will say that. But if you ask of the president's effort in fighting corruption, I'll give the president eight. And the reason that the president has done whatever is necessary. However, there are other institutions of government that are supposed to work. I, if they are not doing so. the work, if the law is defective, the parliament has to play its role. If judiciary is not proactive, judiciary has to play its role. So we don't, I don't want to blame the government, I mean the president, if measures being taken are not necessarily work. The members of the public too must be blamed for the type of police, the accusation that they are making, they are also equally guilty because because if, if you don't give the police money, he cannot take it from your pocket. If you commit an offense and the police want to charge you for court, you have to allow yourself to go through the due process. Because at times, even when you go to court, the offense may not attract a serious fine. But when you tempt the police with money, when you don't want to go to court, then you are giving the police chance, any, an unscrupulous policeman, chance to demand any amount of money because you are not willing to allow yourself to go to court. You see, so at times I think the public too, 
and there's a need for education. In fact, uh, we've, been, we've been talking to them, we've been training them, and from time to time, those who are uh, offenders, that is a policeman, if you are found to have collected money or to have extorted money or to have done something unlawfully, we, we, we normally punish them. Some of them are dismissed. Some of them, depending on the nature of the offense, they are even sent to court after dismissal. And so unless it doesn't come to the notice of the police authorities, as far as it comes to the notice of the police authorities, the right punishment is meted out to the erring policeman. So when something happens and you are not happy, you have to report to the policeman. But if you don't, it doesn't get to the authority of the police, uh, the, the police authorities, that is the attitude or the conduct or misconduct of the policeman concerned, it becomes difficult for the senior officers to take action. Well, so you've just been listening to the a police officer uh, who has been reacting um, on the back of a statement issued by the issued under the hand of the Inspector General of Police, is it? Yes. Uh, reacting to the actual corruption, you know, survey that was done. The police is not happy. And among others, they say that, well, you are the ones who are compromising the police. Just stop. If you don't stop, then it will continue. The police have also raised issues concerning other institutions. They are asking why, for example, the investigations did not get to the port. It does appear that they seem to know that that place, you have discovered a lot more rot than at the police. Um, they have questions about the quantum involved. Um, so in simple terms, well, they are taking five uh, Ghana CDs or two Ghana CDs or so on. So this is not that much. There's a lot more to pay attention to. But people say, some say the IDP has done a good job, at least by paying attention and reading and interrogating the survey. Most of the institutions, some people say they can bet, will not even look at the survey and to read it. So nothing is going to change. Now joining us for this second segment, Dr. Theo Echampong, political risk analyst and economist. He's always been speaking to us from his base in the United Kingdom. Today we are lucky. He's right here in the studio. Doc, thank you very much for joining us here in the studio. Uh, we are joined via Zoom by Dr. Eric Odrosai, who is Director General, Internal Audit Agency, and Linda Oforikwafo, Executive Director, Ghana Integrity Initiative. Suleiman Abrahima is here, and Martin Pebu is also here. Uh, so, gentlemen, before we even go to the, the you know, Afrobarometer round nine. Let's take your reactions on what the police think about the survey uh, that was released. So what, what do you have to say, Martin? Okay, so the reaction from the police, um, I think that uh, one, I also joined in the call that it's good that the IG read it and they are raising questions. You right. see, when we embark on this public debate and race, usually, we get some new perspectives. We help to, you know, broaden the discussion. It helps to throw more light. So That's to right. that extent, it's good he raised questions. But to reject 
the uh, survey, that one, no. You can't, you know, he said that uh, it just shows that they are continuing the perception from decades ago. No, yeah. that's not correct. These are new persons who were interviewed. And the perception, as some would say, it's largely this is based not perception. This is actual. Yeah, it's yes. based on reality. That's right. It's based on reality. Mm -hmm. So if you say that no, that's people are using their perception from old uh, surveys and the rest perception surveys. That's not correct. Let's just eat humble pie. Let's accept that no, this it's not going well. We are not able to tackle corruption. What do we need to do differently? Yes, I'm aware they do service inquiries for people who are found to be corrupt and the rest. But he needs to. Perhaps bring outsiders in. You see, as an institution, because he's in there, it's not everything he will see. He should compose a, a, this is an independent body to, you know, critically look at the police service, look at how people can bring in new suggestions, especially the low hanging fruits like the traffic offenses. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you call it? spot fines, tickets, spot fines? We've been discussing this, I remember, from the 2000s. Then we shelved it. We go elsewhere. If you've run the red light, then they, they show you the evidence, then they give you a spot fine. If you want to challenge it, well, you go to court. But if you accept, you pay. And of course, you, it goes into the system, not into somebody's uh, packet. So there are quite a number of other things, I think, that if he, want, if he invites a, a, this in a debate, people can proffer solutions, mm. you see. And then, of course, you know the uh, larger uh, thing about the, the whole of the society, the, the, the point he makes that we bribe the police. Yes. You don't have to take it. You don't have to take it. <laughs> if I offer a bribe and you think it's wrong, you don't take it. And there are situations where policemen have turned in citizens who attempted to bribe them. Maybe we should play more and more of those. You yeah. see? So please. The, the police officer who won the integrity personality of the year. Thank you. It was his own colleagues mm -hmm. who tried to bribe him with 20,000, was it? Mm -hmm. uh, so that he will stop investigations that he was doing thank you that is how come he won that uh, in the, uh, the, the integrity personality of the year. yes so please if we offer bribe don't take it and then turn around and report us that's how we do because we all come that to officer actually took the money and used it to prosecute them uh -huh. he told them what you're doing is wrong i will use it to prosecute you excellent and he's using it to prosecute excellent them. so please when we offer bribe don't take because you see some the thing is that we all just have to accept that this thing can't go on anyway. Mm. We are not talking here because we think we are angels. But somehow, we have to take the bull by the horn. We have to uh, confront the problem head on so that we all can come together and, s and stop it. Because if you were to say, hey, tomorrow I may be corrupt, so let me not speak today, then it will get worse. So let's just accept it. Let's look at for further solutions. Those mm. are my preliminary um, comments. Sully, is it not the case that people interact with the police a lot more than all the other institutions that you know have had to be interviewed by the statistical service and charge for this and so that explains what is going on um i've had lawyers after they saw the igp's release talk to me and say look we are lawyers we know what goes on we deal with clients all the time they are talking about being forced to pay money before bail is granted meanwhile bail is not supposed to come with money not a dime but they take it all the time. So what is the IGP talking about? And some raise the question that when police officers misconduct themselves, they are subjected to service inquiry. Why are they not being prosecuted rather? Because service inquiry, you may get suspended or um, dismissed. 
you may get suspended or dismissed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is something, suspension and something else. Mm -hmm. uh, suspension or demotion. Yes. But if you are prosecuted, the least you may face will be 12 years in prison or 25 years. Well, um, I, I think that, first of all, um, your point about the police engaging with citizens uh, on, on matters related to crime and other offenses, that would often result in possible exchange of right. monies. It's perhaps more than any other institution. The, the, the road, you know, um, traffic uh, folks, the people who would go to the police station to complain about somebody offending them and as a result the police having to resolve the matter sometimes at the local level without even taking the matter to court and so on and so forth. So generally it is not surprising that people would often rate the police as perhaps the most corrupt. <laughs> and if you look at the question that was posed, and, and I'm, I was particular about the questions that were asked in the Afrobarometer uh, survey, okay. it talks about how many people do you think, you know, would engage in an act of corruption? It is not about who takes the most and so on. And so it is again not surprising that people would say, well, I think that in terms of how many people the police would dominate mm. and all of that. What would have been also interesting would have been a question about what people think in terms of quantum. Because I've had uh, several engagements at which uh, COP Kofi Boache, for example, would say, look, the policeman takes five CDs mm -hmm. or 10 CDs or 20. So you may have 1,000 police officers who are engaged in these kinds of acts. You know? And if you put all that together, maybe it's less than even 20,000 or 30,000. Right. Mm -hmm. But somebody signs one contract mm -hmm. and gets away with 1 million CDs. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, we say, oh, that person is the least corrupt versus the, I mean, mm -hmm. in terms of the, comparing that person with the police. So I think this, these surveys are really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. But we need to go a bit deeper into the nuances of the issues. And on the IGP statement... In the, in the NCA <coughs> trial that went on and concluded not too long ago involving William Tevi, mm -hmm. uh, Bafuboni, and the, and the rest of them who have been thrown in 16 years, mm -hmm. they, the, the quantum of the amount involved was actually in cities. Mm -hmm. That was about $8 million. Yeah. So the police have a point there, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, so I, I, some analysis in terms of the quantum, what people think in terms of the quantum. Because look, what could happen in one ministry, one ministry alone, maybe like three years or four years of whatever the police may have collected on the roadside and, and so on and so forth. So that analysis will be important. Mm. And I'm also impressed by the IGP's statement, particularly in the context of he being concerned right. about whatever was revealed and trying to contest the findings. Um, I, I was not quite impressed with comparing why didn't the survey also deal with this institution or that institution and so on. And or even those institutions that conducted the survey, why didn't they investigate themselves? Exactly. Because they too, people interact with them. That's the question he asked. Exactly. <laughs> that's, so, that, that's important, but for me, it begs the question, are you saying, okay, because I didn't look at myself, it was not worth looking at you? For me, what is important is the fact that, look, the man at the helm, you know, says, I'm concerned about this, and certainly it also indicates that going forward, certain steps will be taken to right. ensure that in subsequent uh, mm. surveys, mm. perhaps the results might be different or the nuances will reveal a certain pattern 
and trend that may, after all, indicate in terms of numbers, yes, the police may dominate, but in terms of quantum, if we were to do that, you perhaps the police would have been at the bottom mm. in terms of how much is taken right. and what people what people witness or what people encounter. Right. The police may, uh, they have been at the bottom. Right. Uh, let's get uh, Dr. Theo Champon's uh, also views on this particular issue. And those who interacted with me, one of them said is that he doesn't mind if I, I made it public, that when we say that the police are not involved in, the quantum involved is negligible, it is not always correct. Mm -hmm. And he says, he gives me an example, that the Bachona police in 2018 took money to grant bail. He quoted about 4,000. That's mm -hmm. quite a bit of money for people who couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. And they had to go look for the money. The police officers were reported to the pips mm -hmm. for action. Nothing has happened since, regardless of reminders to the police to take action. Mm -hmm. So he says, why is the police not interested in that, for example? Um, now, again, I'm told of a situation where it's about a land matter, mm -hmm. um, where the property fraud unit, the police officers um, have been used to harass holders of a Supreme Court judgment over the Bachona lands. Police officers offer protection in, in exchange for lands. And these matters are reported all the time. Nothing happens. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and good morning. I think uh, for someone, I have been involved in actually running, designing some of these surveys. Okay. So I, I do appreciate what actually goes into uh, what these surveys are meant to do. And, and perhaps the context really is important here, uh, particularly for both the uh, Afrobarometer, the CDD one, and also the Shraj survey. So remember that they actually went to households. That's right. Uh, to ask them a number of questions. Um, and so typically, in that household setting, um, it's going to be the institutions you come into contact with on an everyday basis that would end up showing at the top. That's you know? um, 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 but that does not mean that the findings are not empirically rigorous or cannot be validated. Um, and like Suleiman, I was also quite happy to actually read the um, IGP's uh, you know, uh, statement. Okay. Because I was like, oh yeah, you know, that's, that's very detailed. Mm. And quite substantive and detailed and raising issues of methodology, um, raising issues about sampling, and, all of and I think that overall is healthy for us as a country. But one thing that is quite clear is when you look at most of these surveys going back the last 10 years, especially at the household level, persistently the police and other of these front-facing agencies come up tops, regardless of how you go about doing the sampling mm. um, and how you go about eventually doing the, the analysis. Um, and I do take the point that because you're only dealing with households, some of the big, you know, let's call it white-collar crime, <laughs> right, um, and, and the corruption that you see with things like procurement and contracts and things like that may not necessarily be at the forefront of someone you speak to when you come to my house and you're asking about, you know, uh, issues like that. Um, but interestingly, when you also look at the, the, the Shraj uh, report, it actually did indicate, and I, I found time to go through all the almost 110 pages, that almost 23% of the adult population in Ghana 
pay the bribe in 2021. This is they themselves or all of us collectively <laughs> two in ten Ghanaians saying, yeah, I'm happy to actually, you know, have paid that bribe. And what more is worrying for me is that if you actually look at the age group and the education profile of those who pay their bribes, is actually the more educated of us. So mm -hmm. the, there's almost 1.7 times, or you're almost 1.7 times more likely if you're educated mm -hmm. to pay a bribe than my grandmother who is in the village, you know. And if you're between 25 to 34 or 35 to 49, cumulatively, it's about 60% of the total sample. So that, for me, tells me that we have a problem in terms of issues of bribery, in terms of uh, you know, other manifestations of corruption. But what is quite key here is that something needs to be done right. in terms of those front-facing organizations. And, and the police um, should take it in their stride. And I know, of course, they would have certain anti-corruption sort of, uh, measures and things like that in, in place. But methodologically and empirically, I think the survey is sound and um, we can debate other issues in relation to that. Of course, there's a lot of leakages at the port. There's a lot of other issues within the system that if we were to do a, a, a comprehensive analysis, you may find that maybe the police may not necessarily be at the top, but somewhere in, in the middle. But these all add up to the wastage and they all add up to the issues that we see. Because I, I am worried. I've been in this country the last couple of days, and I found time to go out or walk on the streets and talk to the person selling the PK or selling the hacks or selling water by the street. And the, the level of despondency, you may even say hopelessness that I see worries me a lot because it is these same people that we're supposed to deliver the democratic dividend to. And if at the end of the day we're still wasting the money in, through corruption and through other means, then I, I worry that there might be some sort of social implosion in this country uh, in the near future. Right. Um, I'm going to Linda Oforukwafo. And um, uh, you, you have been saying a few things, particularly about the Afrobarometer round five, uh, round, round nine survey. And you say that we are using uh, elections to recycle corruption. And therefore, we shouldn't wait for elections to demand what we deserve. We should do them now. But before we get to that one, um, I, I want you to hear what Kofi Bentel is saying about this and get your comment on the actual corruption, corruption survey. He says, in summary, we can say the IGP has a right to defend his institutions. He must be commended for taking interest and fighting back and for working to improve things at the police. Let's encourage him to reduce police corruption. It is real. But let's also say, I can confirm, that there is an improvement from previous years. I just hope IG Dampari goes on to crack down on corruption in the police. We also need to institute a spot fine system. Mm -hmm. Now, people have been concerned that his interest should be taking the report and showing us what he has done to improve the situation. What do you say? Thank you very much, Samson. I, I must say that he has a right, and, and as um, I think the, I've gotten said it in the studio, the fact that he's even shown interest in reading the reports for us is, uh, it's, it's encouraging. 
But truth be told, something the problem with police corruption has been around for a very long time. And um, the first thing that came to mind that when he took office and started showing much commitment to dealing with the criminals, I told a friend and I was like, I also want to know what he's going to do about the problem of police corruption. Reason being the important role the police play so far as sustaining our democracy is concerned. Um, earlier on, I had a discussion about the amounts involved, and I will say that police people don't only engage in petty corruption. And even so, if it's only petty corruption that we're looking at, if they actually look away, take five cities, ten cities from a driver, and the person's vehicle is not roadworthy, and then mm. the person moves on, the person does not have any insurance and actually knocks down people as they go. Are we thinking about the implications that has the impact of the police in action after the taking of the bribe? Tomorrow it might be taking bribe to look away when terrorists want to get their way. Tomorrow it will be about a drug issue. And we've had drug issues before where um, allegations were that uh, cocaine turned into cocaine um, when the police were keeping them. So the police corruption cannot only be limited to petty corruption. And the implications are that. And for me, if any IGP takes up the mantle to deal with the situation, we, the ordinary people, would want to know what efforts have been put in place. I sit here and I can say the PIPs thing is not working. And so we should be thinking about the Independent Police Complaints Commission. That conversation will have to start all over again. And we have to have a way of solving the problem. It is. It is common knowledge. Um, Dr. Theo um, said uh, along the lines that these are not the only two surveys that are bringing up the issue of police corruption. The global corruption uh, barometer AGI has had our own uh, perception surveys have shown that the problem with police corruption has always been up there. I remember one of our surveys, it actually came to light that perception of uh, the police being corrupt topped but when it got to the actual amounts involved, which of the institutions takes more money? Hmm. I think that time it was the custom division of GRE that came up. So then the people's general perception, because they see, they hear, it's all over the place, the petty bribes, the man, petty amounts that they take, people see them. So they always will say the police is corrupt. But when it got to actual amount of money, it was the custom division. I've, I've forgotten some, about 2017 they're about. So then, for me, the problem we have to address is that the IGP has shown interest. The Shraj and Saskatchewan Service should sit down and have conversation with him. We have had it in the past. They've come to our office. And I remember Mr. Azim's term or so. We had a conversation with the police. How do we move beyond having the conversations and helping the administration to deal with this? I believe it can be dealt with. Mm -hmm. And every it has shows commitment in doing that. And also letting the public know exactly what efforts have been put in place can go a long way in reducing this kind of perception. Mm. But the reality is that it is a big problem that we need to deal with, especially because of the important role they play. All right. I'm not saying uh, uh, not playing any important role, but the police right. role is very important. I, I, I'll return to you shortly to start the discussion on the Afrobarometer Round 9 survey uh, results, because I have issues with that um, that I think we should look at. because. For example, if you look at the police specifically, 
the perception, um, the survey on perception is 67%, 67% think that the police is uh, most corrupt. Then you have what uh, the Shraj and uh, the statistical service doing, you have 57%. So actual terms, 57, perception, 67. What's, what is wrong here? And then even in the perception survey, um, the police is number one. Then you have the presidency, Jubilee House. You have the MPs. And then you have the judiciary, th uh, fourth. Yet trust levels are high for the judiciary. How do you explain that? So I'll, I'll come to you to answer that. But Dr. Odrosai, the, the reason we felt it was important to have you is because people are asking the question, what are the internal checks that are going on, your outfits? What have you been doing? Because you should be able to spot the wrongdoing even before it gets to the Auditor General. You should be able to issue some sanctions and stop it before it gets to the Auditor General. So it doesn't appear you are working as you should. Dr. Drosai. Okay, I understand we lost him. Yes, uh, uh, let's hear from you, Linda, for the question I asked about the, the, if you like, conflicting responses. Okay, so, uh, thank you very much. Okay, Dr. Drosai is on. Yes, sir. Um, the question I ask about the, the... Yeah, Dr. Drosai, listen to me directly. Please go ahead and let's hear your response. Oh, all right. Okay. Thank you very much, Samson, and good morning to our uh, panelists. Samson, um, you are... Please go ahead and let's hear your response. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Samson. Samson, uh, you are right. Um, before anything that the external auditor would see, internal auditors would have seen a year before. Okay. The challenge the internal auditors have in the system is that the internal auditor's law at the moment is very, very obsolete. The internal auditors are demoralized. Apart from that, the internal auditors will make all the recommendations they need to make. Within the structures, we have audit committees, especially established, chaired by independent chartered accountants. These people will pursue management to implement the auditor general's recommendations. But Samson, people must understand that the Auditor General does not implement his or her own recommendations, except for the surcharge, uh, disallowance and surcharge provisions under the Constitution. So if we can turn the heat on public officers not implementing recommendations from internal audit report, and here, let me commend the current Speaker of Parliament and the Clerk of Parliament. The reason I'm commending them in ensuring implementation of recommendations of Auditor General's report is that Public Accounts Committee currently is sitting on 2018-2019 Auditor General's report. What it means is that we are three years late. Hmm. Before funds will be recovered, those who may have uh, been involved in the irregularities, some may have died, some may have passed on, some may have resigned, some cannot be found. So what the current parliament is doing is that within the meaning of the law, annually they receive a copy of the Audit Committee's report. So once they receive the report, they get the first-hand information. Mr. Speaker refers it to 
the appropriate select committee so they have the current status report and then they will support implementation. So I think internal auditors are supposed to do what they need to do, but they are challenged by legislation. At the moment, there is an internal audit service bill, but it is, its passage is very slow. Because if we don't pass that bill, you get internal auditors working under various institutions, and they depend on these same institutions that they have to put a check on to implement recommendations for their salaries and logistics to work with. And it compromises their independence. But I think there is a challenge within the internal audit service or internal audit activities in Ghana. More to the point, they are the gatekeepers. So I think if we really want to fight corruption, we have to resource internal auditors, allow them to be independent, and then make sure they perform their gatekeeping role. How could this important thing you talk about have escaped the lawmaker? And how quick do you expect this to be done? I, I, I believe that it has killed everybody in Ghana because as, at the moment when you talk about audits, people look more of the external auditors. Meanwhile, they come in and within two weeks they are away. Um, what I think we can do is to fast track the process of passing the new internal audit service bill, which brings all internal auditors under one umbrella. They will have their independence, they will have their resources. They can properly put a check on the system as gatekeepers. The, the bill is on parliament calendar to discuss it. I don't know what is preventing uh, Parliament from discussing and passing a new internal audit service bill, which is a way to prevent and then ensure that the gatekeepers prevent these corrupt issues that we are talking about. That's the best way of resolving it, because anything the external auditor will do would have been a post-approach. The money would have been stolen already. Why, do, why is it that if you have somebody who can prevent, do not empower the person to prevent, but you rather empower the person who come and take what has already been stolen? I just don't understand it. Mm. But, but in your own way, can't you find ways around how to, you know, ensure that you are a lot more effective and biting even before the law, you know, is tweaked? Something we are doing our best. At Internal Audit Agency now, we have an MOU with the Yoko. So when we receive the quarterly internal audit reports, those that are isolated and people are seen to have um, embezzled or misused funds, we refer them to Yoko because we do not have prosecutorial powers. At the moment, we are also doing naming and shaming. And then we also work with the Minister for Finance to activate the powers given to him under the Public Financial Management Act to surcharge, to sanction public officers who misuse public funds. That's the best we can do within the meaning of our current law. But if our new law is passed and we are given prosecutorial powers, you would see that we'll be able to do what is because we are at the forefront. We are with the institutions 24-7. But let us give credit where credit is due because at the moment, the internal audit agency has also been engaged uh, to uh, work on validating payroll and then also cleaning the payroll register. And this is the best thing to be done because the internal auditors sit with the institutions mm. and they know who the ghosts are. They are the best people to <laughs> prevent the ghosts from resurfacing. In the past, we allow people to move from Accra and go to district to go and chase ghosts. They leave the district and the ghosts will resurface. But now we are using the internal auditors except that our legislation is so weak. So even if we find these ghosts, we are not able to prosecute them. We have to hand them over to another institution. And the moment they delay the process, we are in trouble. Well, what, what does your department make of the uh, actual and perception corruption surveys that have been revealed so far? We think they are inputs for policy making. And uh, we think that we should not underrate the findings of the survey. I also think that the, I, I'm, I'm happy and I give the IGP thumbs up for the quick response because what it means is that he's reading the document and 
um, he's asked certain questions. I would expect that he'll receive responses to those questions so that it will inform his strategy. I'm expecting the other institutions mentioned in the reports, either the survey report or the Shrag report, to also give responses and, and give Ghanaians some assurance that they've taken it in good faith and that it will inform the reform they want to do in their institutions. Mm. These, we need these recommendations. We need these survey reports because they provide empirical data and information for decision making. So we are happy and we are monitoring it closely. In the 2023 trust areas for internal auditors, I am going to factor some of the items in it. Currently, they are auditing asset declaration by public officers. They are also auditing how people have implemented recommendations from the Auditor General's report. So I'm very happy about it. And we, we want to use it as a baseline to inform policy making. Thank you very much, Dr. Eric Odrosa. We will take a quick break, and when we return, we'll go to the um, Afrobarometer Survey Round uh, 9. Thank you for Dr. Odrosa. He joined us just briefly to uh, answer for himself and his uh, department, uh, because questions are being asked that they are the ones who are actually doing the work at that stage and should be able to stop some of these. This show is brought to you by the kind of sponsorship of Bank of Africa, Strong as a group and close as a partner, MTN everywhere you go. Ashesi University, educating ethical and entrepreneurial leaders for Africa, Robert and Sons, Optical Services, your comprehensive eye care service provider for 31 years. Really, properties, home is where one starts. Fanat Ghana, Think Wood, Think Fanat, and Europlus, where Europlus goes, water flows. We'll be right back. Discover the secret of Alphabet City. A modern gated community with bright and spacious two to three bedroom apartment unit situated in a stellar location at Sakumonok. Each apartment block is equipped with elevator, fitted kitchen, and elegant bathroom fixtures. Use an interest-free payment plan of up to five years or a mortgage financing of up to 20 years to secure your dream home now. There is nothing more than a secure home. Invest in Alphabet City today for a guaranteed returns on your income property investment. Call us now on 024-11-1119 or 050-4499-9999. Alphabet City. The ABC of Home Sweet Home. For decades, we have helped businesses connect with their trade partners all over the globe. From Ghana to Burkina Faso, Côte d'Ivoire, Benin, Togo, Senegal, China, Morocco, France, Netherlands and many other countries. We have made it possible to bring Ghana to the world. We have brought small and medium businesses closer to their customers across the regions in Ghana with our SME support facilities. We have brought relief and smiles to the faces of families with our employee personal loans. With our cutting-edge technology and digital support, we take the burden of complex thinking off you. Making life simple. That is who we are. As close as a partner. Bank of Africa, we are indeed 
the African Bank with the Global Reach. Good business means seeing the possibilities and maximizing opportunities. Making sure you have a responsive support system. you a stable platform with reliable connectivity and seamless solutions and better understands the tools required to take you to the next level with so many moving parts running your business we do our best to provide you with some stability the only kind of stability you can find with mtn business broadband the fastest and most reliable internet provider making sure you stay ahead and stay connected because we understand what makes your business tick. Sign up today on broadband.mtn.com.gh or call or WhatsApp 0244-308-111. MTN. They'll play a high press to force the mistakes. They'll dominate the aerial ball. They're too tall. We'll handle the pressure and smash them on the break. The number nine has scored in their last five games. The passer will be quick, decisive, precisely. There will be drama in the dying minute. This match will mean more than three points. They will have the home ground advantage. This is why I bet. This is why I bet. This is why I bet. Betway. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the Gaming Commission of Ghana. Bet responsibly, not for persons below 18 years. Excellent furnishing in a real estate business is a great deal for survival. My struggles as a young estate developer were cut short when I discovered Fernart Ghana. With quality furniture made from the finest woods and amazing after-sale service, Fernart Ghana changed my story with every single home I built. It's a one-stop shop that serves the interests of clients with a variety of living room and dining sets, solid wood kitchen installations, wardrobes, doors, cabinets, beds, agolas, floor packets, and many other wooden products that will last a lifetime. With Fernat Ghana, all clients are offered the opportunity to customize furniture to their specifications. And the smile on their faces says it all. Thanks to Fernat, now your home can look beautiful with furniture that would last for generations. Visit Fernat Ghana today and share in my story. Locate us at Deneva Estate or Sue Accra or call 0303-966-085 or 055-278-4097. Think wood, think fern. Welcome back. This is Newsfile. It's your most authoritative news analysis platform. And here on Newsfile, we put Ghana first. My guest, uh, Linda Oforiu-Kwafo, Executive Director, Ghana Integrity Initiative, Suleiman Abrahima, is Executive Director, Media Foundation for West Africa. Martin Pebu is a lawyer and rights activist. And Dr. Thierry Champong is political risk analyst and economist. So, uh, Linda, the question was to you. Uh, the fact that in, when we did the actual survey, you had um, 57 who say police is corrupt. Then when you do the, the perception, you have 67 plus or so. Uh, what, isn't that some inconsistency? Doesn't that actually firm up the IGP's concerns? I'm reading messages from police officers who are saying that we're treating them unfairly, that 
Um, they are good police officers, and we seem to say every police officer, you know, is, is doing the wrong thing. And again, the same uh, survey respondents say the police tops the list, the Jubilee House is number two, MPs number three, and judges number four. And yet, when it comes to issues of trust, they trust the judges more. How do you explain that? Um, I also agree with you. There are very, uh, there are many police people who are very good. I know some. I wouldn't want to mention names, and I know many of them to be frank. But then, if you look at the surveys, I think the statistical service one, the actual percentage for the police is fifty-three point two percent, and then the Afrobarometer was sixty-five percent or so, so not fifty-seven. So there are two different surveys. There are two different sample sizes. There are two different methodologies, if I can say so. The Afrobarometer is looking at perception, just like the Corruption Perception Index, and this one is looking at actual, so actually looking at lived experiences. So people's experience, it can be uh, what they've witnessed, what they have become victims of, and all that. So that might have accounted for the, di the, the difference in the percentages. But ultimately, if they had said another institution was the most corrupt, and therefore Barometer has said a different thing, that is when we would have had to do more conversation and discussion to see what might have accounted for that. To be frank, when surveys are, are, are being administered and questions are being administered, we normally would not ask a question, why? after you've given us the response. So that we try to make sure that the, the question itself is good enough to actually get what we are we want from you. And we didn't go back to say, why are you saying A, B, C, D also? Mm. But then different surveys, different sample sizes, very extensive for the Tasca service one. And so the, ultimately, we had the same results. So I, I think that is what we should be focusing on. When it comes to the judiciary, I must say that if people talk about their interactions, they might be dealing with the magistrates and, and at the uh, lower level of the structure. But you know that at the higher level, we see a lot of actions. We heard about the analysis expose, for instance, and we saw some judges being relieved of their positions and their roles and so they left. That's right. So that action that we saw. We also get to know that there are at the higher level there are so many things that are happening. So you mm -hmm. don't just you don't be able to easily go maybe go bribe a judge. I'm not saying it would be easy to bribe a magistrate at that level. No, I'm not saying so. But then at the at the, at the high court or the whatever. But then people might have experiences more at the lower level. But still they have confidence in the administration because I don't know, that's the only one we have. Maybe there's no other alternative uh, adjudicatory body than the judiciary, than the mm. courts. And so they see, they've seen some action in the past. So then if you'll be able to resolve the challenges we are having with you now, we would be able to flow with you. Remember that in the CDD uh, uh, Afrobarometer uh, survey findings, people also talked about democracy. And they said that I think about 84% or so still believe in democracy. That's right. And the judiciary has a very important role to play in sustaining our democracy. And for that matter, if I believe in democracy, and I'm still saying these institutions are corrupt, but then there is one that I still have to go to when all is said and done, then that's, 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 that's confidence or trust 
that we, they still have the judiciary is very, very good for all of us. Mm. For me, if they have said that they don't also trust the court at all, that is when we should be um, very worried. But now we have um, some hope to understand that all said and done, we don't trust some of these institutions. But for the courts, we still know that it's the place we can still go mm. to get our matters resolved for us. There's, been, for a, us. there's been a reaction from the office of the vice president. Uh, one of his technical uh, persons there was the one you heard not too long ago on the show. His reaction was that he would read the president um, as his fight against corruption, 80-something plus. What do you say to that? That was laughable. And I'm saying so because when we put all our efforts together, we are looking for only one outcome, that corruption will be minimized. I'm a realist. I wouldn't say corruption will be totally eradicated from any society, no. So then if you put all the efforts put together, the legislation, the institutions, the resources, the men, the capacity building, and even with the National Anti-Corruption Action Plan being implemented for the past eight years, it's supposed to be a strategic plan for 10-year period, and we are getting the findings. We just have to go back to the drawing table and then re-strategize. So for me, if you put everything together, the president showing his leadership is whatever it is, he rating whatever, that's not really matter here. What matters is that Ghana is still having challenges in dealing with the problem of corruption. Unless, of course, you just appeared from the moon yesterday, so you don't know the reality. You can feel it, you can see it. So for me, unless we start seeing the, 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 the getting the result that we are looking for from the actions and the inactions of the leaders, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't rate the president the way he is rating him. Yeah. I would rate the president when I see corruption now, Ghana scoring about 80% of the CPI, and I'll give him 80% for the effort he has put in. For now, I think what he said, I, I don't agree with him at all. If you were to read the president, what will it be? I'll do that on another program. On another program? So you said, you said, you said at the launch of this uh, report that we have been using corruption to recycle poly, uh, elections to recycle co corruption. We should move beyond that and not wait for elections. What do you mean? What ought to be done? Let me explain myself. What I actually mean is that in the past, when we used to use elections to vote in new governments whom we perceive to are going to do very well for us when it comes to dealing with the kanka of corruption. So that you know, in Ghana, it has always been a situation where people actually come to office on the back of anti-corruption. So you see the manifestos, and you see all the good things that these uh, said in there. Some of us who do anti-corruption know that what we have in those kind of manifestos will not solve the problem. Hmm. Just that they have been presented. Being presented alone shows that they are, they are committed one way, one small way to the issue. Then we vote anti-corruption leaders into office. <laughs> and we still have corruption. Then I'm looking into the future. We have other persons or parties that can also come to office. And they also might not have um, a record that is so, whatever, encouraging. What can I say? So it's like I'm going into the next election or the next two elections or the next three elections, and I'm voting for a party, and I'm just hoping this party will come and do some magic. Like the confidence and trust that we had in the current president. So then, if you don't get that, then you get what we are getting now. Mm. Then obviously, we, I, I must say that the election is not doing the magic for us any mm. longer. Well, one so of the now, contributors at the launch of the, the findings, uh, and that'll be my final question to you on this, uh, said that 
um, and it seemed to he seemed to have echoed what some of you, the people in the anti-corruption uh, fight, have been saying that there's a need for frequent public denouncements by the political class of corruption, especially by the president, and that that is not happening. Is that what you think is going on, and that's that's not helping the corruption fight? For me, it is it is it is one of the things that is. It's not helping the fight against corruption. And that is when I talk about leadership role. So uh, we are not saying the president should go and um, hold the hands of people and put them to jail without any investigations. No, nobody's calling for that. But then what has been his own posture? What has been the, the what kind of results or what kind of examples do we have? Uh, if you look at the CPI, for instance, for the past six years, we've been dancing around 41, 42, 43, 40, 43, uh, our best call. Uh, I think that's 21 CPI score, and we have not moved beyond that. So then, what 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 else can we can we look up to? We have not seen the results. And for me, if the president can actually, I we, we are not saying it's more than anything. To be frank, I'll be a liar. We have we have the SP's office, fantastic anti-air legislation, and all those things. But then, political corruption is still a very serious one, and that is where we think he can actually show us more commitment by calling. Um, some people to order, and if, if uh, we have been, there have been so many explanations. There have been some actions. You just mentioned the SP's office. You are the same group that have been complaining that what the SP's office need is not being, you know, finished it. Uh, so the SP's office has been a bit handicapped. We heard about the SP uh, uh, taking a step to investigate the police on corruption, particularly in the area of uh, police recruitment exercises. Uh, we understand that all that yeah. is being frustrated by the police. So where, where are we going with the SPs that we tout? Where are we going with the SPs? Office that we have been touting. Oh, yes, we need more resources. I, 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 any day, any time, I actually advocate for that. That is a, it's a good institution. The objective and the act is very um, important. And for me, it has a very important role to play, to be an institution focusing solely on corruption and maybe grand corruption. So then we have to, if we have to properly resource the SP's office to do its work, we have to do so to mm. put in place proper structure. That is not the only solution. For me, the only solution now going forward will be to re-strategize, mm. go back to the drawing table and see what we have done. We passed laws, done A, B, C, D. We have not gotten the results. We have not been able to move above 43 on the CPI. Apple barometer findings in 2022, is 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 worse than the the last one in 2019. Corruption is not stagnating, as we used to say. Now it's deteriorating. So what do we have to do? We have to go about the drawing table, all the stakeholders discussing and planning, including the the political group as well, to all see right. what. Okay, now Dr. Chief Champong, and a while ago we just saw uh, the figures there. Uh, 2019, the survey people who were afraid to report corruption, who are afraid of retaliation, 61%. Today, it's 69%. Yeah, I think it fits into a certain mindset, and, um, and a mindset that if I go and report, then something might happen to me or be done to me. Um, and uh, I have also interacted 
with quite a number of people um, and you get that perception strongly filtering through that you know even if I see something bad happening uh, they sort of feel a bit hesitant in wanting to actually then report and then subsequently some corrective action being taken so um, in my maybe rather limited world where it's not a full sample or anything like that I saw that so perhaps it's not too surprising mm. to see that being picked up in the Afrobarometer survey so but it, it tells us one thing that you know the the rhetoric and the reality is sort of two different things because I know that the current administration and the president actually campaign on a very strong anti-corruption you know track record and they will come in and will fix the issues and, and all of that. Um, but when you actually look at the outcomes, uh, either from the Afrobarometer, Corruption Perception Index, and so many other indices, we're still more or less where we are. And in fact, you could even argue when you look at some of the data points that things are relatively are not going the way we should, you know, deteriorating them. That. So let's use the, uh, the Afrobarometer survey. In 2014, the percentage of the respondents that indicated that corruption has somewhat increased or increased a lot, that was like 83%. So that's 8 in 10 of the population. Um, and then that dropped sharply in 2017 to 39%. So that was a new administration mm. and perhaps all of that rhetoric the expectation. And, and then the expectation mm. feeding in. But then in 2019, it goes to 53 and between 2019 and 2022, it goes to 77%. So almost that 8 in 10 population, right, back at the levels as we saw in 2014, where we were complaining about Doomso and Buzz Branding and Gita, all those other Sada, Suba. All of those things mm. in there. So fundamentally, it tells me that although the administration may have, might have done something, those efforts actually are not translating into reducing the perception of corruption or even the lived experience mm. of people uh, in, uh, in relation to corruption. And this for me is also quite interesting because as my uh, good friend, uh, Dr. John Osaikopo would say, Ghanaians have made their peace with democracy. <laughs> and you can see that in the Afrobarometer yeah. data. So largely, we support elections as the best way of electing our leaders. And if you go back 20 years to 2002, uh, that was 89%, so 9 in 10 Ghanaians saying we should elect our leaders. Uh, in the latest one, it's 84%. So it roughly hasn't changed. But it gets interesting, and this is why I think the corruption issue is very, very fundamental, because it really threatens the very survival of this you know, uh, fourth republic, if we're not careful. Because when you again pick the data a little bit, um, in 2012, when Afrobarometer starts asking the question of accountability, 58% mm. of the respondents said that they prefer accountable governance. So they want the institutions to work. We've gone to elect the president and all of that, but we want you know, the core institutions to deliver the, the mandate. And interestingly, when you look at the 2022 data, it's now 78% of Ghanaians saying they want accountable governance. So it tells you we have deteriorated in about 10 years from 58 to about 78, almost you know, 30 percentage points. And that tells you that 
this democracy is not working mm. and it's not delivering the governance that we want it is not translating into reducing corruption and and one of the core issues again goes back to you know the whole campaign financing which is the big elephant mm. we haven't even yes and, 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 the, and the respondents about. and the respondents completely don't like to hear the questioning about funding they contributing to fund uh, well, political campaigns. So it's two things. <laughs> if you parties. don't pay, somebody's going to pay. Mm. And he who pays the piper will call the tune. So I, I think it's high time we need to have a conversation uh, as Ghanaians that we should be prepared to pay to support our political parties. Because that's the only way you can demand some form of accountability. If somebody going into parliament or let's say becoming a president uh, is receiving money from no just just look at the recent uh, party inter internal elections people are receiving all yes. sorts of monies mm. gifts things from all sorts of it was know, a contest between who can pay more dodgy <laughs> and funny places mm. Mm. then of course if they come into power i'm going to be demanding for some pecs and that is what manifests ultimately in the the, the the grand corruption that that we're seeing right so i i think we we have done too much talking mm. let's start actually acting and let's start begin to deliver the the dividends of this democracy because yes we 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 say yeah we want to go every four years or whatever many number of years to change our government but clearly this is not working and one of the outcomes or things that tells me this is not working is the fact that corruption perception has been going up and the fact that we are not seeing the gains of the development trickling down to the to the grassroots. Uh, Suleiman, are you not worried about the institutions that have taken at least the first four top spots? Police, Jubilee House, MPs, and judges. That is the executive, the judiciary, and parliament, three arms of, of, of the state. Mm. Well, first of all, I think these are the same institutions that manage our resources. And so if there are perceptions of corruption, uh, it certainly would be emanating from these same institutions and departments and so on. Mm. Now, a little bit on the police and why I said I'm not surprised. Because if you look at the question that was asked, then you go back to... If you, if, if you did a survey in a district, how many of the people in the district would have encountered the presidency or the president, for example, or a parliamentarian or parliament or a judge? There will be fewer than those who may have encountered the police because almost every major town you will find a police station and mm -hmm. once in a while people will get an incident. So right. based on the question again, uh, if you look at where the presidency is placed, number two, <laughs> and you think of the fact that, look, the people who are responding to these questions are people who would rarely have an opportunity to engage with the presidency or engage with the president. And yet, they know or they believe that the presidency is that much corrupt. Then it tells you that, in, indeed, the presidency is even far more than the police in this context. Because you are talking to people who would always engage with the police and come to the reality of how much they transact with the police. But in terms of the presidency, look, maybe 70% of the respondents may not have directly engaged with the presidency or the president before. 
but that is the perception. But something, um, if you look at the Afrobarometer data, it shows that in the last 20 years, in terms of approval ratings, I mean, the, the, whether or not people approve of the performance of the president, President Ekufuado scores the lowest in the last 20 years. When you take disapproval ratings, the extent to which people disapprove of the president's performance, President Ekufuado scores the highest in the last 20 years. So you are talking about um, a president who, if you look at disapproval, 17% when he came into office. Only 17% of the population would said, look, we disapprove of how he's performing. Mm -hmm. Then that moves to 36 in 2019, and it jumps from 36 to 70%. That is seven out of every 10 people saying that we disapprove of the president's performance. Again, if you look at you know, uh, the levels of corruption, 39% in 2017, goes to 53% mm. and moves to 77% in 2022. Again, that's a, a very, very terrible um, uh, indication to look at. Then, if you look at the performance of the government in fighting corruption, and I agree with Linda when she says, look, the RTI, passage of the RTI law is fantastic. A law that, you know, for almost 20 years, every government was dancing around it. And then this government comes in and passes it. The Office of the Special Prosecutor, even though I'm not a fan of the Office of the Special Prosecutor, because for me, my reading is that it's an admission that, look, whoever I appoint as the Attorney General, because he comes from my party, will not fight corruption. And therefore, I need an independent individual who would take on you know, people in my government when they are engaged in corruption. Mm. But you are the same person who would appoint this person. That is why we all applauded the appointment of Martin Amidu because this was somebody who was coming from the opposition and has a track record of you know, openly fighting corruption even within his own government. So yes, the Office of the Special Prosecutor, we can give credit, but as I said, I'm not a, a fan of it because it's like, you know, just basically saying the AG will not be able to deal with people who are corrupt in my government because he's part of it and we need a, 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 an independent person to do that. But if you, you know, do all this, and people still think, about 85% of people still think, that is about almost 9 in 10 Ghanaians mm. think that, look, the president has not done enough to fight corruption. And that is what the Afrobarometer data shows. And Afrobarometer has been in existence for a while. And so far, it's proven to be credible. The methodology has been proven to be mm. robust. Yes, every, every research will have, you know, bits and pieces that has to be The interesting thing is that the politicians have issues with it when they are in government. Exactly. <laughs> they are happy about it when they are out of government. Exactly. Yeah. So if I were the president, I would really be worried because nine out of ten people say, I am not doing enough to fight corruption. Now, the I mean, people who disapprove of my performance is the lowest, or, I mean, is the highest since the last 20 years. The number of people who say, I'm not doing well. Is that I'm, I'm the person to score the highest. The number of people who say, I am doing well, I'm the one to score the It depends the on who you have surveyed. Uh, yesterday there was a chief, I think he was, uh, the president was cutting a sword for, sword for uh, road projects in the domain, you know, area. Mm -hmm. And there was a chief who said that if people haven't seen the good he has done, 
they have seen it. So it depends on who you survey, isn't no, it? Absolutely, and that is why it is not 100% something. So 9 out of 10. It means that if you have 1,000 people, there would be some 100 people who would say, oh, well, things are going well. But there are 900 people who are saying, look, things are not going well. And so certainly you should be worried. And if I were the president or if I were a member of this government, I would be worried about these findings, regardless of what you know, the person who was interviewed at the vice president's office was saying, mm -hmm. and certainly if you are working in the vice president's office, we expect that you, you praise, you know, um, whatever is happening, particularly at a time when the survey has also revealed that the number of people who feel it's risky to speak about corruption is rising. So if you find yourself where he finds himself, mm -hmm. certainly you should be um, applauding whatever is happening. So in fact, you get attacked when you talk really, about corruption. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, but the other... The other interesting thing for me is the fact that the survey indicates that people uh, endorse media freedom. A lot more people are saying, look, the media has to be freer. A lot more people are of the view that the media have to perform their watchdog role, right. hold duty bearers accountable. And that for me is quite refreshing because mm -hmm. there was an Afrobarometer data previously that indicated that the support for media is rather dwindling. Mm. So if we are beginning to see an upsurge, in the support for media freedom, I think that is quite refreshing. And trust in the independence exactly. of the media exactly. to operate. Because yes. if you look at the figures again in terms mm. of who is corrupt, yes, private media, public media, there's some level of corruption. Right. But at 27% compared mm. to 65% at the presidency, I think that's uh, something that is right. encouraging. Yes, uh, Martin, what do, you, what do you make of this? And, you know, coming just a week after... Mm -hmm. You know, we spoke about the, uh, <laughs> the, boom the actual one. <laughs> oh, who gave a boom speech? Yourself? <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah, so, Sam, good. Uh, let me preface this with uh, an article Madam Elizabeth Ohini did in the newspaper, Daily Graphic, uh, mm -hmm. Wednesday, 27th July. They are the base of what, uh, or as a reaction to what happened here last Saturday. Mm. I like. Uh, it ties in with the results of this survey showing the presidency being very high up there. And it turns out it's always been like that, right? Yeah, she says when she was growing up, that was it. Uh, so I'm interested in this. But it says, I grew up when Flagstaff House was the headquarters of the all corruption. titled Speaking Truth to Power with Prejudice. Excellent. Thank you. I grew up when Flagstaff House was the headquarters of all corruption. In the midst of all of it, you would hear people say, the president was okay, really. It was the people around him who were the problem. Yes, that's Kwame Nkrumah. Of course, largely Kwame Nkrumah was far better than uh, a number of the presidents we've had, except, of course, Mills on the other side, okay? <laughs> so Mills aside, Kwame Nkrumah, uh, I mean, was better than a lot of the presidents we've had, okay? Yeah, so... Um, and then before that, he, she recounted how Kufour's time, it was the same clamoring that that was the headquarters. Of course, President Kufour himself accepted that the, uh, what you call contractors, were bringing gifts like that to the presidency. Wah, 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 you remember? Yeah, so it ties in. So this perception is actually uh, reality because, you see, the perception doesn't come from a vacuum. No, I mean, and this perception cannot just continue all these decades. It's really tied to the reality because, look, don't forget that the contractors who go to Jubilee House and get contracts, because they get arm twisted and all those things, they come and they complain. So if somebody just thinks, oh, it's perception, no, 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 the perception is born out of reality. 
people sit down and they cry that look i should have had a better percentage but some officials are taking this percentage of that there are some contracts that were done and dusted before this current administration came they had to be reopened and redone in a way to give some people some percentages less the contract wasn't going anywhere I like one that a certain lawyer did. They were going to twist his arm. He stood his grounds. And then, of course, he took some measures, and eventually the people backed off, OK? So Sam, the, uh, the, the, the survey results just shows that, look, even though we say it's perception, but, 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 it's really born out of a lot of reality. And Madame Mohini has made the point. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm happy. Let me repeat a bit about uh, what Suleimana said, because that touched my heart about the media freedom. I'm so, so, so much interested in it. The point that this survey shows that there is renewed uh, this support. And that's very important, because you see that you made the earlier point that we've made our peace with democracy. But if you've made a peace with democracy and yet there is no media freedom, forget it. You know, there was this president, was it Thomas uh, Jefferson, mm. who said he prefers a country with a media, okay, and no presidency, to a country with a presidency without a media. <laughs> then Jefferson was, is it, third or fourth president of the U.S. Yeah, and he stood the time. When the media throw the searchlights, then people can uh, I mean, see other perspectives. They throw such light on corruption, the rot, the wastage, because we will never run from it. This morning, you mentioned it. Annually, we are losing about $3 billion. That's a lot of money. Unexplained. Can, yes. Unaccounted. See, unaccounted. That's a lot of money. And that's what the president promised us he was coming to fight, and we are not seeing it, right? So that also ties in with the fact that Yes, now that people are supporting media, is good. Because you see that, apart from they uh, saying 69% now say it's risky to report, there's also another question which is different, even common politics. Common politics, they say people have to be careful about what they say about politics, 67%. So it tells you that though we are saying we are embracing democracy, but one of the very <laughs> fundamental tenets to democracy, which we say in Chi, no, we are not realizing it. 67% say they have to be careful what they say about politics. That is too huge. Mm -hmm. I think we should roll out more programs, encourage more people. Look, listen, citizens have to realize that a man has got to do what a man has got to do. In every society, at every point in time, mm -hmm. tyranny would always exist. And citizens must also come up, okay? And like they say, from time to time, the tree of democracy, okay, is watered with the blood of patriots and villains. So they would, some people have to come up and fight. And in the process, yes, there will be casualties. But that's how it is. Some pay the price for others to enjoy. So this 67%, I think that Joy FM, maybe should, there should be some series about encouraging citizens to fight, okay? Bring their analysis, bring Manasseh. Is Manasseh not still walking around? You see, after he did that, uh, militia in the uh, this is city, and then he was hounded out of the country. He came back. He did the Zoom lion thing. Is that not that story that goes back to the office? Uh, this in the desk of the president. See how the president wasted our money by uh, asking that some COVID spraying be done. Over 122 million. Come on, the president should be answering for that. We will talk. Listen, nobody will. 122 million. It's what the 
Finance Ministry says it cost us for the first phase. Thank you. But the local government ministry, which is supposed to be responsible for that project, sure. reports that phase one and phase two cost us 153 million. Thank you. And I mentioned also the fact that the education ministry mm -hmm. uh, and Mr. Wanada, they spent a total of 500 million for that kind of spraying around the place. Thank you. Yeah, so look, Sam, the point is that we are going to talk. Death can come. Listen, we will not run. Kwame Nkrumah did this bit. People died along the way. So Sam, I think this particular thing that the expose Manasseh did, I think what President Kufado can do for us, the least he can do is that, let's have a commission of inquiry. Let's have an open, independent commission of inquiry because this waste, we will not allow it to go. He has to be held accountable for it. Why do you order that spraying be done when same is not necessary? You see what the WTO did. Didn't he say he has all the experts? WHO. Sorry, uh, WHO, World Health Organization. Didn't President Kufado say that he has all the experts at the Jubilee House? So who advised him to ask for the spraying when same was not necessary? If you are doing such a COVID spraying, one would expect that the least he would have done is that, apart from his experts, he should have checked with WHO. So I think that the least President Kufuado can do about this Manasseh expose is that let's have a public inquiry, commission of inquiry. He should come, answer, bring the experts who advise him. Let's have a full inquiry. They will be cross-examined on the basis for their... Uh, what do you call it, advice to him and the rest. Because, Sam, 122 million for one phase, it's no chicken change. No. That's a colossal sum. So what is the phase two? Uh, uh, how, did, how much did it cost? Because you see that the figures are contradictory. And also, finance minister gives his separate, local government gives his, uh, their separate. Let's have a commission of inquiry. We are not going to run. In every society, listen, some people must talk. Okay, and then of course, the rest of the citizens must also back us. So those of our fellow citizens who are home and are scared, if you get scared, it will get worse. That's why they say evil triumphs when citizens, good people do what? Nothing about things. If you get scared, it will get worse. Um, i like us to, because we have very limited time, if we could go to, the, uh, to Parliament to talk about the Adjuasafo matter, but we know that it is not limited only to Adjuasafo. Because Odikro, which has been telling us for many years now about the level of absenteeism in Parliament, is telling us that perhaps uh, 